When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the Friday Buckeye Talk. Doug Lee Marie, Safe the Barrett, Stephen Means. Spring game on Saturday. Make sure you're watching. Make sure you're looking for a post game Buckeye Talk on Saturday. Again, as a reminder, this is your Friday Buckeye Talk. The Thursday Buckeye Talk was the spring game Get You Ready podcast. The big Wednesday Buckeye Talk was ranking the top 51 players on the team. This is receivers. This is all going to be about the receivers. If you want, your spring game breakdown, make sure you go back and listen to the Thursday one. And again, there will not be a Saturday morning podcast because we will do a Saturday evening podcast after the spring game, which kicks off at 12 on the Big Ten Network. And I got I to gotta tell you, I, I, I got to text this out still because I thought, I mean, Nathan, you do a good job with the live texting when we're doing interviews. But the big news of the receiver day thing was just like included in the list of like the stuff that was going on. And by the way, we got to talk about Parker Fleming. It's the end of Garrett Wilson in the slot. It's over. Like, that's official. Like, there's one thing to see it with our eyeballs. And it was like, it's in there. But I'm going to, I got to reinforce to the texters, like, this is it. It's the end of an era. Garrett Wilson is the X receiver. That's the receiver who's usually like, as Garrett Wilson on the backside of the formation, sort of out there by yourself. Typically, the Z is on the opposite side with the tight end or with the slot receiver. A lot of times that X is what people think of as like the number one receiver on the team. I assumed it, but I wanted to hear him say it. So I asked him, where are you playing this year? And he said, I'm the X. So there are two parts of that that are super important. But let's deal with the first part of it first, Nathan, which is, Garrett Wilson is back outside. He was outside as a freshman. He was in the slot as a sophomore. He's back outside. It's not any of this. We've talked about move him all around or whatever. It's like, I mean, I, we get it. Move around a little bit, but he's an outside receiver again. What's that mean? It is a little bit interesting from the fact that if – how what does this mean? I mean, I think it's the second thing you're going to get to, right? It's, it's not so much even just about him and what he does, but which third receiver they want to get on the field. That to me, I think, is is the interesting element of this. That if they didn't have, if the third receiver that they wanted to get on the field maybe wasn't the best, a better fit in the slot, then maybe Garrett Wilson still would be a slot receiver in 2021 instead of moving back out to the X. 
Oh, so you didn't analyze the thing. You didn't analyze the Garrett part. You went right to the second thing. Well, but, I think, second thing. but I think oh. that is the thing. I mean, I, I, no, I don't there's know. There's a first thing, think, too. Garrett Wilson yeah, but I, is playing outside. Yeah, but I think wherever you line up Garrett Wilson, he's going to be a productive receiver. We had a conniption for a year because he was in the slot. He's not in the slot anymore. We have to talk about him being outside. But the second point we'll get to now, which is true, is the way Garrett said it, is this was not a Garrett Wilson decision. This was not a what's best for Garrett. This is the coaches came to Garrett and said, hey, you're going outside. And the reason he's going outside is because they got somebody else in the slot. And that, uh, to your point, Nathan, we ha- we, the information that we gather matters. Eyeballs are good. Mouths and ears are better. Buckeye talk. Like we heard them say it today. There is no doubt about it. Jackson Smith, Jackson Smith, the Jigba is the number is the third starting receiver on this team. And the reason Garrett Wilson is outside is because they see that Jackson Smith, the Jigba has to be on the field. And the result is move the guy who's flexible. So that's what you're saying, Nathan, but like no doubt today we thought it, but now we know it. That's where we are with Jackson Smith, the Jigba. And the result is Garrett Wilson moves. I'm directing it at you because that you brought up the second point from yeah. when I was still trying to do the first point. So I'm making Steven wait because you wanted to hop to this. <laughs> that is the truth, right? There is zero doubt about that. That's where we are. Exactly. And I don't know that I was that stunned by that. I mean, again, that is what we saw in practice. And I think all along we have held it in reserve that yes, Gary Wilson spent this year in the slot, but because of the developing dynamics of that room, that he was going to probably spend more time outside in 2021 than he had in 2020. It, it is a little bit of a surprise, though, I guess, that it, that it seems like such a permanent move already, that in April that they've already committed to that, that I thought it might be a more flexible role for him. But it may say, again, like I'm saying, it may say as much about where they think Jackson Smith and Jigba no, is right may. now. May. There's no May. It's is. It's That's what this is. What's the May? It's over. There are three top receivers, and those are the three guys. They love Jackson Smith, the Jigba, because then, by the way, Brian Hartline said he's had a hot spring. Like that's this is this is it. And we can't downplay. We, we don't get to talk to these guys that much. When we talk to them, it's great to assume we're getting factual confirmation. Again, not a great job by the beat today and getting factual confirmation on stuff. We're assuming a lot of stuff. We got to ask the people when we get them. What's up? This is what's up. Steven, I'll go to you. This is this is where we figured out what's happening with the receivers today. It's what we thought, but now we know, and they're ready to roll, man. Yeah, it's what we thought, but also it's not completely what we thought because when we were having the conversation of well, who was running with who, I think I said it and you guys agreed. Ameka might be running with the twos as a slot receiver, but if we're being honest, if they want to put Garrett in the slot, they can. It's just Ameka's technically the third string wide receiver. That's not true at all. Garrett uh, – uh, Emeka Buka is the number two slot receiver and Jackson Smith the Jigba is the number one slot receiver and Garrett and Chris are just both outside, which shocking. I mean, there's a part of me that's sad because that's an explosive dude that you had in the slot. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a little shocking, but we'll see. Also, I am kind of, I'll believe it when I see it, when they start playing the Georgia and the Alabamas of the world, if they need, if they want to play Garrett in the slot once or twice, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. But for the most part, yes, he is now a complete outside receiver and Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be in the slot. What are you shocked by? When you say it's shocking, what's part of it is shocking? I think 
him being outside as a true freshman, because I believe he was an ex-receiver as a true freshman, yep. and then going into the slot last year, I think just opens up your offense and, and, and what you could do with him, especially in a world where we expected Chris Olave to not be here. You could move him anywhere, and we weren't sure. Garrett could be anywhere his junior year. He could be in the slot this snap. He could be on the outside next snap because Jackson Smith did exist. That's what's shocking is the fact that it does seem so permanent that there doesn't seem to be any expectation that Garrett gets a lot of slot snaps this year. If but any. I'm not sure. It, it probably really shouldn't shock us all that much. And we can just go back to earlier this week when we had the, the ranking of the players, right? Like, where were we ranking someone like Jameson Williams relative to where we were ranking someone like Jackson Smith and Jigba? I think we had already were already sensing this subconsciously, that the thing that makes this offense more dynamic is getting Jackson Smith and Jigba on the field as much as possible. Yeah. I, I'm going to restate it for the record. I don't like particularly how either of you couch this. So let's make it clear what's happening here. Jackson Smith Najigba needs to be on the field. The Ohio State coaches have decided that. He is clearly their third best receiver. There's no debate about that in their mind. As a result, they move Garrett Wilson outside because Jackson Smith Najigba is a slot receiver. If Jackson Smith Najigba gets abducted by aliens, Garrett Wilson will go back to the slot. So the idea that like he's, I mean, it's like, yeah, Emeka Egbuka is the number two slot receiver, but if Jackson Smith Najigba is gone for the year they'll move Garrett back inside because they have more options outside so that's not exactly right either Stephen like it's it's not like he can't go back inside but it's permanent it's because of JSN and it changes what Garrett Wilson does but like he can do either thing so I don't want to underplay it just because we thought it was coming so it's not shocking it's what we thought would happen but it also is more permanent than we maybe thought that that Garrett did not say things like I'm flexible. I can move whatever Garrett Wilson said, I'm the X. It's like, okay, so these are the top three guys. Brian Hartline said they want to rotate, but yes, the main thing is that Jackson Smith, the Jigba has pushed to the front of the rest of the group to such an extent. It necessitated this move. And then the other thing is, you know, now Garrett's going to be working outside against press coverage a lot, right? He's going to be locked up on number one corners. He's going to have to get open. Now he'll, he'll have some chances to maybe get down the field a little bit more, right? Although Olave still probably will more do that. You know, he's, it's not that short area, middle of the field, you know, option route stuff from the slot. So Garrett can do it, but it does change a little bit. I think Garrett's is it does do his targets maybe go down, but his yards per catch go up kind of thing. Like, I don't know. It's not a, it's not going to fundamentally change, but it is a change for him. But what he also didn't say, he didn't say I asked to go outside for the NFL. He didn't say, right. This was a, for the team based on their other personnel move, which we didn't exactly know how that would go. It's not a Sean Wade moving outside for the NFL kind of thing. So it's like, it's what we thought, but it's for sure. He hinted and at so it, I think it's a big deal. He, he kind of hinted at some NFL stuff, and uh, he talks all – every time we've talked to him, he's brought up Devontae Adams and the fact that the Packers kind of play him all over the place. And th- there's value in the fact that he wants to be a guy that, uh, as a number one receiver, you can put anywhere. So not to, to your point, he didn't go, I wanted to move outside because of the NFL, but he at the same time is – there is value as a number one receiver in the NFL where you don't have to just always be outside or always be in the slot. You can be anywhere. But he said this coaches came to him. The move started yeah, with yeah, the coaches. The yeah, move didn't it, start with him. Right. And we didn't know that. 
Good. We got to ask more fact-based questions. There's a lot of dingleberry, how do you feel about stuff questions today. We didn't get every fact about everything from the receivers we could have gotten today. We got some good stuff on Julian Fleming, but we can't just assume what our eyes are telling us. Because like, as we always talk about, we don't know what, okay, did they do that yesterday or tomorrow? Or is this just a today thing? With our eyeballs, we've seen them outside. This is factual information. So I, I do think, Nathan, the point that you made, we talked about him a lot in the player rankings, Jackson Smith, the Jigbo. We talked about him a lot as a breakout guy in the spring game. And everything that we thought that we were assuming, to me, felt confirmed by the information and by the way Brian Hartline talked about Jackson Smith, the Jigbo. Something else that I think might play into this, if you remember last season, we talked many times about how moving Garrett Wilson to the slot was going to result in usage and did result in usage. It was different than what they had done with KJ Hill before that. And there were many times where they were using, they they used, um, for lack of a better term, I guess they were using horizontal um, concepts to get Garrett Wilson vertical, but they were like longer developing plays that they would use to get him vertical and get him downfield. And I'm wondering if there's also a play, this makes more sense with the quarterback situation they're going to have this year too. I don't know how, how often that's going to be, as available for these brand new quarterbacks as it was for Justin Fields in his second year as a starter, that they may, that that may also play into this, that you can get the ball out quicker um, to, to those guys and still get that downfield impact than they did with the way that they were running routes with Garrett Wilson last season. Or even some RPO stuff, some screen stuff that they they've, we've seen a little bit of that where it's just quick pass. I mean, Garrett still has the ability to tuck the ball and go. So what if they just doing that more from the outside than in the slot? So one of the other things, uh, I don't know. I didn't think it was, I, I thought I didn't get to ask Jackson Smith the jig with the question I wanted to ask him. So I'm a little grumpy about that. Uh, we, we, I didn't think we maximized our time. It's fine. There's uh, people just ask too many feelings questions sometimes, but last year, Jamison Williams played 308 snaps. He was, that was the third most among receivers. Jackson Smith, the Jigba played 163 snaps. Jamison Williams is here. All the receivers are still here. It's a flip. Jackson Smith and the Jigba took Jamison Williams' job. Then Jamison Williams got asked a question today. No offense to Jamison Williams. Like, hey, do people forget about you? Do they underrate you? And I'm like, what do you mean? He lost his job. We're not underrating him. We're stating the facts. The coaches took his starting job away. He didn't do that much last year when he started, and he's not going to start anymore. So nobody's underrating him. I, no offense to Jamison Williams. It's not a factual question. Yeah. It's not a factual look at the receiver room. And I get it. I, I get it. We should be respectful of these kids. They're busting their butts. They're phenomenal athletes who are playing at the highest level. But if we're having honest conversations about the receiver room, Jackson Smith, the Jigba stole Jamison Williams job because Jamison Williams was not that much of a threat last year. He didn't, Catch that many passes. He, he had didn't... double the snaps and had nine catches. For, and the only reason he had 154 yards because the bulk of them were downfield. Jackson's with the jig, but as you just pointed out, 163 snaps and he had 10 catches. And the only reason he only had 49 yards is because he plays in the slot. Well, but that's how that's supposed to work. Jamison right. Williams is a deep threat. His, he is going to have a higher yard. But the whole point is they didn't throw to him much. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess I can go back and look at the film and decide, was he open every single snap and Justin Fields just didn't throw it to him? But we've talked a lot about how much we think everybody knows. We all know Olave and Wilson are going to get the ball. I think this is, Nathan, I think this is a significant increase in the overall danger that receivers put 
on defenses because I think Jackson Smith, the Jigba is a significant upgrade as the third person on the field with the top two guys over what they did last year. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah. And I think again, it's one of those off season things too. Like that's the kind of progression that's supposed to happen from a freshman to a sophomore year in a way, but they obviously didn't feel that way last year. They didn't even feel that way at the end of last year. Jameson Williams was still the primary you know, was still starting and, and Jackson Smith was working in behind that. But I think something has been emphasized to them either by what they saw late in the season or what's happened since January, these la- these three, four months, the winter and the spring that has um, maybe cemented in their minds that this is a guy that needs to be on the field that much. But I think you're right as far as like the, the pressure this is going to put on defenses now, because I think if you're w- imagine the average big 10 defense trying to match up now against both Olave and Wilson outside, I think becomes much more difficult. I know that Wilson creates matchup problems inside too, but to put those two top end guys outside on the perimeter really puts a lot of pressure on most big 10 defenses. Most big 10 defenses aren't going to have a second guy that they feel can match up with someone who might be the best receiver in the country. And it could be either them on a given week. And then with this developing just how prolific we think Jackson Smith and Jigba can be, inside in this in this offense um i think you're right i think the, the the threat level does ratchet up a bit the reason i'm all hepped up about this is because we were all hepped up a year ago on the news of garrett wilson moving to the slot right and so i want to apply equal hepness to this because this is my aha moment of the spring a little bit zach harrison was one Zach Harrison, the way they talked about him right from the jump and the kind of winter that he had was one. But the way people talked about Jackson, Brian Hartline talked about Jackson Smith, the Jigba today. And the realization of how of how this is going to line up and there's this is it is like a signal, a similar signal to me of like it's go time with this group. And that, you know, I don't know that we ever could have. I don't know. Steven's not married yet, hasn't gone through as many life experiences, life experiences as I have gone through. So again, as I said before, birth of my children, day I got married, the day Garrett Wilson got moved to the slot. So I don't know if that's number one for Steven. I don't know. Steven probably won a trophy at a basketball tournament in high school or something. Maybe that's up there. But, but then we do this in life. You have to be when A happens, and then a lot of times B happens, and we don't cover it the same way. This was a... I don't care if I'm overrating it like today, Steven was the day that the wide receiver situation formalized to my ears. And I now know exactly how they're going to attack people. And like, I think if Jackson Smith, Najikba is capable of having the kind of sophomore season that Garrett Wilson had, right. I mean, I think if Chris Olave would have, would have left, would have, went to the NFL and Jackson Smith, the Jigba was their number two receiver this year. They'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Like they'd be, uh, he'd be ready for that. So th- that it's formalized. It's like that we've been dating. We've been dating Jackson Smith, the Jigba in the slot and Garrett Wilson outside. And today Garrett Wilson got down on his knee and said, will you accept me moving to the X? And we all said we do. So Steven, I'm having, I'm having an engagement party, man. I'm engaged to this lineup of, these three receivers this way, which is why I'm so excited. Yeah, It's the fact that the way you asked the question, you completely left it open for him to also go, I'm working at both. And he didn't say that. He said, I'm working at X. 
And that's just where I'm at. That's that's part of it. But I, I think you're right. They'd have been fine because, I mean, they had 93 catches combined, Chris and Garrett, last year. I mean, so 120, 100, no, way north of 150 combined if you put that in a 15-game schedule, which they would have played since they reached the national championship last year. So, I mean, is that the world we would have been living in where the – that's the new Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave where those two would have just had 150 combined catches next year. That, that's not crazy to think. No, I think, I think the and I think the level of play, but, but now Nathan, it gets back to this. And again, Ryan day brought it up the other day, the idea of like, yeah, we have a lot of talent, but like sharing the ball is a thing. There's a little bit of share the ball stuff today again. And I'm, I'm intrigued by it. Um, Heartline wasn't good on my, my question about that, about, I, I hate when it's like, you ask about, Hey, these guys are really good. And the answer is like, everybody's good. And it's like, okay. <laughs> I get it. No offense. Like um, Brian Hartline is very smart. And sometimes he's so smart. I think he doesn't want to talk to us, which yeah. is fine. But like, this is a guy, he's a millionaire. He really understands the game. He's super competitive. And every now and then he dropped like a fake news or a fake narrative today, which was like, he it, it was a question. Shade. He definitely was like, throws well, shade like once yeah. every single time that we get him for interviews. He throws a little bit of shade at the media, which is fine. But it's also like, all right, do you want to play in an empty stadium? Sorry that people like follow. Sorry, people think what you do is important. Like you're rich and your players are get untoward adulation as a result. So like, whatever, it, it is what it is. But he he was a little like, it's funny because it's like their receivers are awesome, and like he doesn't really want to have it. Which which leads us leads us into the other thing that there's two other guys that I want to make sure we talk about Julian Fleming and Marvin Harrison Jr. because I thought we learned some stuff about them today. But before we get to them, Nathan, I don't I want to cover the top three guys first. So we've talked a lot about Garrett. We talked a lot about Jackson Smith, the Jigba, the Chris Olave conversation about why are you back? Why are you here? Why are you here? I ask myself that question every day. Chris Olave is not asking himself that question. You know, he got asked it 10 different ways. I think it's very possible he would have been the fourth receiver off the board in this draft if he would have turned pro. He didn't. What did you think of his explanation of why he stayed at Ohio State for his senior year? You know, there were he threw out a lot of things and it, where that ranged from the, the kind of still being comfortable and, 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 and feeling like he wants to be a part of this program, wanting to get his degree, a lot of things. But one of the things he kept coming back to was feeling like in order to be ready to play in the NFL on day one, he needed to get stronger. Uh, I think that's probably accurate. Uh, not that he couldn't be in the NFL this year, but I think if he wants to be the best NFL player he can be on day one, then absolutely getting stronger, I think will help him do that. And um, he's obviously at a, a good program to, to, uh, to, to help him get to that place. So I thought that that was just a, 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 an example of a mature guy probably making it a, a correct analysis of the situation. Um, I think it, it, it's not that simple, though, because, again, I think, as you're saying, uh, there are plenty of NFL teams who are ready to, I think, take him in his current state and they would make him stronger. They would get him bulked up between now and the fall and, and, and have him ready to play in the NFL this fall. But I think it also it, it's not an inaccurate thing for him to say. And I wonder if it even kind of, you know, one of the things that we brought up a couple of times with, with Olave was, you know, he did have a couple of instances where, you know, ball control at the end of plays was an issue. The strength play into that, you know, being able to protect the ball better and, and carry the ball better at the end of a run. Like, I think some of those things are connected. That may have been part of feedback he was actually getting from teams and from his own coaches. 
Yeah, you sort of asked him that, Stephen, right? Didn't you ask Olave, like, did you just sort of decide this yourself? Yeah. Or did someone tell you that you need to get stronger? Yeah, and obviously he went into a long soliloquy about something else, which has been the theme with my questions later as people going into soliloquies. But the reason I asked is why he said it. I was just looking at the sizes of the different wide receivers. He'd probably been fourth. So Jamar Chase, six foot, 201 pounds. It's a pretty – I mean, he's also pretty built. Devontae Smith, we know he's little. He's six foot, 170. But, you know, he's fast and he catches everything. But in Jalen Waddle's 5'10", 180. And then guys like Rashad Bateman was six foot one nine one ninety. That's what Chris Olave. He's six foot one one eighty nine is what he's listed at. So, and he's never really been a physical receiver, right? He's always been a guy whose speed and route running ability are what is what makes him elite. The fact that he can get three or four yards open down the field because he's faster than everybody he knows, and he's working with Heartlines, who know who's a route technician. So if he's wanting to be more of a physical receiver. I don't know what his ceiling is with that at 6'1", 189 pounds. But I, if that's the one thing that NFL people, when he was getting his draft grade and when he was having his conversation with Hartline and the coaching staff about what he needs to be ready for that level, if it's just the physicality of it, I would understand if what that, if that's the only reason he came back because he doesn't want to get into a camp and get, I guess, what Jackson Smith and the Jigba got his first college game where he got knocked around and he's not really sure how his body responds to it. Yeah, he has an NFL skill set yeah. today, but maybe he doesn't have an NFL body. So he wants an NFL body. And then, but, and as you said, like, listen, the guy who won the Heisman's a wisp, right? I mean, he, he, that's part of him that, that when the evaluation of Devontae Smith, who is an unbelievable, an unbelievably productive receiver, mm-hmm. he's not very big. And it's not just, it's not he's short. Jalen Waddle's shorter. Jalen Waddle's like short and fast. Yeah. Devontae Smith's just skinny. So, like, that's the thing. If you tell me, that like Chris Olave, who has hands, who has speed, who I always thought had great body control of like ball in the air, go up. But if he's going to be like ripped now and like he's going to like fight off press coverage or he's going to like be able to box guys out with his body and like make physical plays with coverage right on him. Like if that's the next step for him, then then we're talking about first receiver off the board kind of stuff. Right. That now we're now we're talking about and that he did say, Nathan, I want to be like NFL ready from day one. That if you get picked in the first round, you're a starter as a receiver. That's the expectation for you. And so that if he wants to do that. But I also think he's a little bit of a quiet guy. He's young, as he said, he's only 20. So he's a younger guy. He missed that year in high school. Right. He kind of got thrown in. He was making catches in the Michigan game as a freshman. And then his junior year was all weird with the COVID. Like, I do think he kept saying there's multiple things to come back, right? He didn't just say, I'm only going to come back and lift weights. So I think he likes it here. And I think maybe if they would have won the national championship last year, I don't know, maybe he would have gone. But like, you know, there's some of that, right? Well, make another run in it. But that's, I mean, I do get that to some extent, Nathan, whether it's about draft positioning or not, if you're putting eight, or 10 pounds of muscle on what already exists with Chris Olave. Now we're talking top 15. We're not just talking first round. Now we're talking you're the eighth pick in the draft, right? I mean, if that's what he's thinking about, I like where his head's at. Yeah. And again, and we don't know perhaps the, the depth of receiver talent expected from one draft to the other influences this too. Although I, I haven't looked at that that closely to see what would be around next year. And that can always fluctuate. Somebody always kind of comes out and surprises 
to you. There may be something. Maybe he wants to go out with Chris, with Garrett Wilson, too. I mean, now they get to kind of be a tandem going off the NFL together, and that's something special. But I think you're right. I think it, – and it's – this isn't fair, but, like, as, as he's sitting there talking about how he needs to get stronger, then I'm, like, watching him on this Zoom call and thinking, like, well, you might actually be, like, the skinniest person on this Zoom call. Not even – like, I think that – you know what I mean? Which isn't, I mean, there's plenty of fatos on the beat. I mean, myself included, but I'm just saying like, he does, he did look, it just kind of reinforced that like, oh, you are a little on the slender side. And I think you're right. Like, I think when he said like, oh, I'm only 20 and I won't be 21 till July. That was kind of another bell that goes off because those, those kind of physical development stages do matter as you're kind of evaluating guys and when is their time to go. And that just tells you how much more physical maturity he could just naturally get in the next year without having to like, you know, really get in the weight room and, and kill it to some extreme degree. And like how old you are comes up a lot in your draft eval. Oh yeah. Teams are always talking about that. So he's not only, he's only going to be 20 when he's drafted. I mean, you could be a, there are seniors who are like. No, he'd be almost, 21 this July. So he'd be no, if, he'd, if he'd have left this oh, year, okay. he would have oh, been, been 20. He would have been 20 okay, on yeah. draft day. But he's yeah. not like, he's not going to be like a super old dude. By the time he's a senior, right? That he, he seems like he's young. He's young for his grade. So like all that'll help him. Um, And so I don't know. It it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Can I ask a personal question and we'll cut it out if you don't want to talk about it. You just said you were a fatso, but you're, 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 you're a little, you're a little, you're, you're a little bigger in your Purdue, like your photo from Purdue that I think yeah. I still see you use sometimes. You're yeah. down from where you used to be, though, right? Yeah, I'm down probably 20, 25 pounds from the start of the pandemic. So there you thanks, go. China. <laughs> right <that> side. A- <laughs> Whoever needs to be. Thanks for that. Yeah. Um, just less, less uh, those uh, Tuesday morning meetings at McDonald's, I guess. That is yeah. fair. That probably plays a, a large role. Like, I think those, that's the the whole thing. Like I haven't really had fast food now in well over a year. Yeah, I, mean, I don't really eat canes anymore. So yeah, our nice office canes. our office used to be a fast food restaurant, and now it's not. It's like, what's your secret? It's like, don't make your office a fast food restaurant. I don't know. That's why we can. That's, that's the the Buckeye Talk diet. Don't make an office in a fast food restaurant, and you'll be fine. Okay. I feel good. I mean, who doesn't feel good? But like they're they're top three. As as so as much as like if we wanted to play this game, if Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are the two best receivers in college football, as PFF has said, and as we've cited numerous times, Jackson Smith and Jigba has got to be the best number three receiver in college football, right? I mean, like what? There's no way of knowing that. I'm not researching yeah, that. <laughs> but like, I am very well, bullish on. I mean, who has a receiver? Who's third best receiver is as good as him? They might have the most. Uh, their third receiver probably has more upside than he is what John Mechie was with Alabama last year. I, I think that's a good comparison. But he might be better. He might be. Better. I know. I, I know. But just you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's just I mean, you got two top 15 draft picks and then like, oh, yeah, that guy exists and he can go off for 150 yards whenever he feels like it, too. And that guy had like, yeah, 100 yards receiving and two touchdowns against Texas A&M when Waddle and Smith were still on the field right. together with and they went to their third guy like that's going to be they're going to be games. We should play a game in the preseason of like how many games will Olave lead them in receiving yards? How many games will Wilson lead them in receiving yards? And how many will games will someone else lead them in receiving yards? I bet you there's at least a game this year where Jackson Smith and Jigba leads them in receiving yards because of matchups, because of something, because teams overload to stop Wilson or Olave or do something 
And then Jackson Smith Jig was just running around in the middle of the field, making like nine catches for 138 yards. I, I like, I, I guess a good team. Like, I think that's out there. I'm very, not that anybody, this is not, no one's claiming a corner on JSN, but the dude is legit. Cause I don't, didn't he say hot? Didn't Hartline say he was sort of running through Jackson Smith and Jigba's spring? What was the adjective? Well, he it was funny because he talked about like, well, he came out strong and then he kind of had a little slump there. But then ever since then, he's been I think I can get it right here because I think it's the first question. Um, Play a name that adjective on Buckeye talk. Not the first question. Was it a hot? I thought it was hot. Sorry, I clicked on the wrong. Is that a hot spring? Because actually, it's kind of cold now in spring. I I transferred my closet. I don't know if everybody does this. I have like my long sleeve shirts, and then I have my short sleeve shirts in my guest room, and I swapped them. And now it's cold again, and I can't wear my short sleeve shirts. So cold spring for us, hot spring for Jackson Smith the Jigba, maybe. He said he's been on fire since he had that dip. He called it like a one day where he had to catch his breath, and then he's been, quote, on fire since then. To that point, though, a game where – I mean, that Texas A&M game was game number two for Alabama. And, I mean, it was kind of a back and forth for a little bit, I, I believe. I wouldn't be surprised if that Oregon game is when Jackson Smith – it's like, oh, yeah, they have this guy too because Oregon is obviously going to spend the week game planning for J- Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And then that's the game where the rest of the country goes, oh, they got another guy? Mm-hmm. Well, all right, now what? I wouldn't be surprised. I'll take that prediction. Yeah, I think that's right. And they got a lot of film on Wilson and Alave, and there's not right. as much film on JSN right now. There's so, one catch on Jackson yeah. Smith and Jigba. That guy. So very enthused, feeling good about the starting receivers. Let's talk about the guys who are not starting, but are still interesting next on Buckeye Talk. Try the texts. Would be a great time to try. I would like to see the text numbers take a little jump here in the next day. Because if you're listening to this right now and you've never tried the texts, that's like, ah, let's see what it's all about. We're going to give you some analysis during the spring game. It'll, it'll enhance your enjoyment of the spring game. I know it does because people have told us that. Like sometimes we've been worried about, ah, we don't want to text too much on day of games. And people don't usually think it's too much. They want the instant analysis of not just what we all saw with our eyes, but, hey, this is what it means. Hey, this is remember this. Hey, oh, that just happened. It, look for this next kind of stuff. We'll be doing that during the spring game on Saturday. So it's a really good time to see what you think. And that's not indicative of what it's like most of the time because we text more on game days than we do on any other days. But it's a good time to try it. And then you can bail if you want. You could do it for one day and then, and then type stop. When if you're a tech subscriber, I probably shouldn't remind you of this. Just type stop in your phone to, as, as a reply to, the, to our texts and you're out. Because I know a lot of times there's a lot of stuff where it's like, ha our secret business model, half the business in America relies on people forgetting they subscribe to something and they're just leaving it roll over on their credit card. I have like 30 things doing that right now. Especially online newspaper subscriptions. You ever tried to cancel an online newspaper subscription? It's That's when, that's when it's you just awful. call your bank and say, hey, I just need a new card. Yeah. And all that goes away. I mean. I'm getting ready to do that. So, I mean, we, we got to do what we got to do, man. But like, I'm telling you for this specific thing, it's not that. If you, if, if I say something particularly stupid and you're like, I don't want these anymore, it's four letters and you're done. So there's no reason not to, not to try it because it's free for two weeks and it's easy out. You type stop. So if you've never done it, try it for the spring game and see what you think. 614-350-3315. You send a text to that number, you sign up, you're in. So I don't know. I would, I would try it, see what you think. And then we'll have a bunch of fun this summer and that kind of thing. Okay. 
Julian Fleming. Lots of questions. This we, we did get some fact finding on Julian Fleming. And in the well, let's talk about facts, because then there's the way Brian Hartline talked about him. And I would like us to try to interpret what we think that means, because as always, OK, a coach said this, but did he did he was he doing it strategically? Did he mean it? Whatever. Nathan, what are the facts as we learn them around Julian Fleming, sophomore receiver, former number one receiver recruit in the country? Uh, the facts being, again, things we kind of had talked about earlier this week, that there was a surgery to repair the, and he didn't use this term, but he really danced around it, the, the labrum issues that Julian Fleming had had in high school, shoulder issues. There had been a surgery to repair that. That's why he's been limited in spring practice. He talked about him wearing a, like a, what do you call a linebacker strap to help protect that shoulder so he could get out there and, and still do some things. So that's played into where Julian Fleming has been when we've seen that team line up. So why maybe why he was involved as a, a third string guy instead of a second string guy. Although again, somebody's got to be third string on a in a really talented room right now. So um, that I guess was maybe the most significant fact was just Hartline coming out and talking about the health issues that have held him back. In addition to just all the developmental time that everybody has lost since they got here last spring. But again, and, and this is a line of questioning, Stephen, that you've been kind of going after. It's how ready are you based sort of on your high school program, where you're from, what kind of offense your high school played, whatever. How ready are you when you get here? We all know that Julian Fleming came from a running offense in high school in Pennsylvania where they did throw him the ball, but they kind of had to make special exceptions to throw him the ball. He didn't have year-round football like Jackson Smith and the Jigba did in Texas. So his developmental track, even though he was the number one receiver recruit in the country, it would have made sense that his developmental track was a little bit behind a guy who's from Texas who was in a throwing offense. And then you add in the health stuff, and it does really paint a picture of that Julian Fleming still is just behind. Like whatever it would be that like he's just not everything he's going to be yet. So I, I think Brian Hartline was really felt like Stephen wanting to paint that picture that this guy has just had to battle it a little bit so far in his career as a Buckeye. Yeah, he's not the uh, he obviously went into most detail about it, but it, there seemed to be a theme whenever Nathan specifically with most of these guys asked about Julian Fleming that it's there that that number one wide receiver. He's fat. I've ne I think Brian Hartline said I've never seen somebody with that combination of size and speed, which I mean, that may be true. Six two two oh five. And he is pretty fast. I've seen I saw him play on ESPN once. He is pretty fast. It's just health. And at this point, it's a situation where. Every single day as things pass by, Jackson Smith, the Jigba increases that gap that was already a little wide just because of their situations and where they come from. But then on top of that, you know, him playing more than Julian Fleming did last year outside of that Big Ten championship game. Now he's not completely healthy. So he's running with the third stringers and maybe is, is non-contact while Jackson Smith, the Jigba is getting valuable first team reps that I think there was a lot of today. We assure you this kid is going to be awesome. It's just his health won't allow him to do it right now, which is the case where there's been a, a few Ohio State players over the years who have had that same story of if they get healthy, I promise you it'll be great. So I'll pull in the second thing. Marvin Harrison Jr. is the other guy we got to talk about, but we do need to talk about that and them in tandem a little bit. 
because again, there's always, I want to, I'd like to spell out what we're really talking about here. There was a point in time when we were talking about like, who's going to be the third receiver, right? Like who that Julian Fleming was competing with Jackson Smith, the Jigba. He's not competing with Jackson Smith, the Jigba anymore. Jackson Smith, the Jigba won for 2021, Jackson Smith, the Jigba won. So now Jackson Smith, the Jigba, I don't think he's going to be a guy who, in year three is going to move outside. I would expect that Jackson Smith and Jigba will be the number one slot receiver this season. And he'll be the number one slot receiver in 2022. Maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? But we do need to talk about now the competition is on and we'll get into how much might they rotate this year or not. It's either going to be not that much or a medium amount. It's not going to be a lot. Wilson and Olave are still going to get more snaps than the guys behind him. But it really is about positioning for 2022 at this point on the outside. And that's where Marvin Harrison Jr. comes into play because was it Olave who said it about Marvin Harrison Jr. Or what somebody was like, Marvin Harrison Jr., man, he's got it. Or whatever, like Nathan, there were some very, I thought like um, not on, like didn't have to be said that way kind of thing said about true freshman Marvin Harrison Jr. It wasn't one of those things where it was like, oh, yeah, he's he's good. We like what he's doing. I think his quote was Marvis Harrison Jr. is real. Like it was like, <laughs> like this yeah. is a thing that's happening. It's unfolding before our eyes. He didn't just come here and like look good as a freshman. There are a lot of things we're hearing about him is like he doesn't look like a freshman. Kind of same with Igbuka, but but Harrison especially like just carries himself in a different way. Steven, you talked before this week about him having that kind of professional um legacy obviously and how that kind of affects his his personality and the way that he uh, approaches things and I, I that caught my ear too because then you start exactly the math you're doing Doug it's like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jameson Williams and Julian Fleming like it starts to stack up real quick that's why I said a few minutes ago like somebody from that group would have to be running with the threes right now and I suppose if it was Marvin Harrison Jr. that'd be the least surprising thing just because he's a true freshman but so it means something when he can force his way into this conversation. Even if Julian Fleming is held back by injury right now, you can fast forward in your head. Okay, now he's fully healthy. So who's getting pushed back? Yeah, Harrison factors into the Fleming equation because, I mean, let's play the game. Why, why not? We're tired of talking about 2021 is so passe. Let's talk about 2022. It's already April. 17 months from now, um, Steven, if you had to guess right now, who are the three starting receivers? Who are the three receivers that take the field for the first snap in 2022? Jackson in the slot. Marvin Harrison is outside. And I think Julian might jump Jameson. That becomes the thing, right? That it's like, well, if you sort of believe in Marvin Harrison Jr. and Julian Fleming, then Jamison Williams has got to show something so that he doesn't get passed by those two younger guys. But I think, Nathan, I think I would agree with Steven right now, based on nothing, Buckeye talk. I agree as well, because I think that Jamison Williams is a good receiver. I think he's a productive receiver, and I think he'll continue to be so. I mean, to I be fair, think- he's, he's not a productive receiver. The only time he's played, he hasn't produced. No offense to him. Yeah, uh, I don't know what more he, he is than a deep threat. And I but, feel like but I mean, like you said, productive. He's not productive. How many catches did he have last year, Stephen? Nine catches for 154 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, he had like barely over one catch a game. So fair enough. I think that I think that is a reflection of what Olave and Wilson were more than like the what James Williams isn't. 
if that, that makes is, sense. But I, you're right. That's a semantic argument. Anyway, I, he, he should be. He could have if he had 20, is, 21 catches. He had nine catches. I know it was a shortened year. He had nine catches in eight games. He might be a talented receiver. He might be a you know, he's not productive. That's just not factually true right now. It's okay. that. And also, if, you know, he was that productive, Jackson Smith, the Jigba wouldn't be the starting slot right now. Garrett would be the starting slot still. And Jamison would still be outside. OK, so maybe productive wasn't the right word. All I'm <laughs> saying is what I was trying to get to was that he also just has a lower ceiling than what. Julian Fleming does even I think we can I think you said that the day that Julian Fleming got here I think even after what we saw last season and and what we're talking about right now with the injuries I still think that is in front of us because they because the coaches you know Brian Hartline has never really talked about Jamison Williams I don't think the same way that he talks about Julian Fleming today like this that what is potentially out there for him if he's allowed to go get it from a health standpoint. And they think that that's coming. I don't think they think this is a permanent recurring thing. So I, I agree with Steven that I would expect those to be the three guys on opening day next year. It's also just, I mean, as, as weird as the big 10 championship game was, you saw who got the targets. I mean, Garrett was going to get the bulk of them, but then it was Julian Fleming who got targets. Jamison Williams was out there on the field. And that could have been an opportunity for him to step up as a starting wide receiver, knowing they are now going to scheme all hell out of Garrett Wilson. That was your chance. And the most memorable, the most memorable thing he did there though, was mess up a route and it ended up in an interception and a route that we've seen Chris Olave do time and time again, that even led to a touchdown pass against Clemson. And guys are coming, right? I mean, one of the takeaways from this spring is like Marvin Harrison's coming. He yeah. just got here, but be on alert. Like everybody's on alert for this guy, not for 2021 necessarily for a huge role, but like in the, in the who's up next in line. So I want to ask this about Julian Fleming. I think we've learned over the years. I mean, anybody can just listen. You guys can go listen to Brian Hartline and what he said. You guys don't need us to just regurgitate what guy said, but I think sometimes like how many good things did Brian Hartline say about Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson today? None. Yeah, because he's not going to. He doesn't need to. He wants to challenge them. He doesn't want to get big heads. They already know they're good. He was effusive about Julian Fleming. He did say, I don't know that I've ever seen a better combination of of speed and size. Right. I'm not saying he's lying. But you can either take that as like, wow, Julian Fleming has still got it. Look out. Once he's healthy, we're off to the races. Or it could be a coach who knows he's got a guy. And by the way, Brian Hartline did give a long answer about ignore the outside noise. So to you. So we're talking about a guy, a number one high school recruit, the number one receiver in the country who did not do much as a freshman, who's coming off surgery, who has a coach who might know that he could use a little pick-me-up. And so the way to coach Julian Fleming right now is to say, A, don't listen to the noise, and B, tell everybody about how talented this guy is and remind him of that and make sure that he sees that. Could have been strategy. I think it is. I don't think that was – I'm not saying Brian Hartline's lying, but I'm saying I think Brian Hartline wants to make sure that Julian Fleming keeps up his confidence because he's had a little bit of a rough go of it. Okay, but 
here's where I think there might be a flaw in the strategy because now what is everybody on this beat going to go do? They're going to go repeat Brian Hartline saying he's the greatest combination of size and strength I've ever seen. He's like Jerry Rice and Calvin Johnson put together. And it's like, is that helping him? Is putting that expectation on this? No, it's not expectation because he's not worried about the the expectation game right now. I think for Julian Fleming is I was the number one receiver recruit in the country. And Steven, how many catches did he have last year? He had, Seven catches for 74 yards and four of her 52 of them came in the Big Ten Championship. And when the season ended, the guy that I was backing up, I thought was going to go to the NFL. He didn't go. I had surgery and I'm running with the threes. So I don't think that nobody is worried about Julian Fleming getting a big head right now. The idea is Julian Fleming has had some tough breaks and is in a very talented and crowded room. And so Brian Hartline is happy to have Julian Fleming think that he's the next Jerry Rice because Brian Hartline thinks that's what he needs. And then if Julian Fleming, you know, has 11 catches in the big 10 championship game, then Brian Hartline won't say anything nice about him for the next six months. And I'm not saying it's smart, but I just want to make sure that our listeners and our readers, we have to understand that, that it's not always like they say good stuff about the good players and they don't talk about the bad players not bad players, the less talented players or the players who are going to have a lesser role. There are no bad players at Ohio state. It's that sometimes the more they say good things about a guy is because that guy needs it. And if you're good, let's, let's see how many times, like, I don't know. Who's like the best returning player on this team. I don't know, but I, I think Olave and Wilson, are th- I'm not sure Brian Hartline is going to say something nice about Garrett Wilson all year. Cause if you're coaching Garrett Wilson, I think your only concern might be he might think he's Jerry Rice. Let's make sure well, he doesn't think that. But it's 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 there's a nuance here because there are such different junctures. Because the question that we pose to Brian Hartline is never is Garrett Wilson good? Because we know he like he's just proven it. He's gotten on the field and shown us he's good. Is Chris Olave good? Well, yeah, he's good. Like we've seen, but like is Julian Fleming actually very good? I mean, we don't ever ask it like that, but it's the subtext of some of these questions, and that's why he responds the way he does. To be fair, the times that we have actually asked is Garrett Wilson good, they've never given him any compliments. They've always tried. I remember freshman year when he started making catches, and Ryan Day's always like, calm down, calm down. No, no, he's not there yet. And then last year, no, he's not there yet. So this kid might be when the bullet in the coffin, Ryan Day and Brian Hartline will still be like, yeah, seventh rounder. But, yeah, I, I think with Julian Fleming, especially that kid, and some of the background of it, I mean, that, he spurned Penn State to come here as the number one wide receiver in the country, and he could be their number one wide receiver right now, if we're being honest. And that kid has been dealing with negativity on social media for years now. So you're right. He probably, That's also him just knowing his player and knowing that he might be a little down on himself right now, and he needs his pick-me-up in public and not just in the wide receiver room. I, mean, I guess I will re- respect Brian Hartline potentially – giving me a very meta answer to the question that I was trying to give, which was like, I was asking him like, so when a guy has these expectations, how do you as a coach? And you've been there, you were a player at multiple levels. Like, how do you, how do you help him? And he immediately turned it into like an attack on the media's narratives or whatever. But, but I think he was telling me, you know how I'm, you know how I handle it. I answer your question the way I'm answering your question. That's how I help him. The heartline is very strategic about this stuff. So, I mean, and it's, he's a good coach. He's a good football mind. I mean, he's a really smart dude. So, like, he is dealing with physical issues. That's a fact. So we have to obviously take that into account. Brian Hartline is the one in charge of, like, hey, line up with the ones, line up with the twos, line up with the threes. So 
whatever. We saw him. He was lining up with threes. He's not doing everything, but when he was out there, he's lining up with the threes. But also the guy who is lining up at, with the twos instead of him is like setting spring practice on fire as a true freshman. So like all those things are true. So I'm not exactly at the point of like Julian Fleming had labrum surgery. That's it. As soon as he's healthy, he's fine. Like he's off to the races. Uh, that's not what I think. I don't, it, he's not like it's, it's the spring of his second year and he has legitimately had all this stuff. He still might be an all American, but I also think it's a real thing that like Marvin Harrison is turning heads the minute he got here and they might wind up in a direct competition next year for playing time, or they'll just rotate him and they'll share it equally. and It'll be great. But like, I do think there are it, Julian Fleming's in an interesting spot and this year, right in August. And then once the game starts, he's got to be healthy and he's got to show something or Marvin Harrison might blow by him because the other thing that Brian Hartline said, and again, he's just Brian Hartline's never going to say anything. He doesn't mean to say, he won't say anything specifically, but generally he'll say, if you don't produce, we're going to replace you. Right. Nathan, like he said that, like, there's no, I'm not, he's not going to say, if you don't produce Joe receiver, we're going to replace you with Steve receiver. He's not going to say that, but everybody knows the deal here, man. Like they, they, they're not going to wait for you at some point. You've got to show it. So Julian Fleming doesn't have to show it Saturday, but I think he does have to show it in August and in September. Yeah. When he's healthy, I think that at some point, yeah, he has to be the guy that they're talking about because when everybody else that's getting praised today, whether it's Jackson Smith or Jigba, whether it's Marvin Harrison, whether it's Emeka Ibuka, what are they saying? Like these guys are making plays. At some point, that's what they have to be saying about Julian Fleming. And, and that's not to diminish what they're saying now, because I think it's sincere. I think they're saying this kid is fast as crap. You guys wouldn't believe it. This kid is tough. This kid is legitimately being held back. I think all those things are true. I, this isn't like some kind of teardown of Julian Fleming. But at some point, that's the next stage is that when they, they start saying, oh, oh you, you guys should have seen the play he made last week, that you guys wouldn't be asking these questions. He's the extreme version of what Cam Brab has been for that 2018 class a top 100 guy who he might have it. Cam Bab might be awesome, but their best ability is availability, and he's hurt all the time. And you're right. Guys are coming. So if you're not on the field, that snaps that Marvin Harrison is getting, Caleb Burton's going to get next year. So Julian Fleming can be all this, but if his body never cooperates, he's going to get passed. Yeah. But as far as outside noise, Cam Bab never had to deal with what Julian Fleming not has. Like being right. the which number is, one receiver recruit in the country. Which is why, that amps it up a whole other level. Right. That's why he's the extreme version of that. He's getting yeah. it to a whole different level. Okay. Is there anything else directly with the receivers? Any particular guys? You know, like Buka got mentioned. You know, he wasn't quite uh, the same reaction about him that people had about Marvin Harrison Jr. And that I believe, because they're all freshmen or whatever. There's no, you're not trying to play a mental game with any of them. I think those reactions are honest. And the reaction was like, because I think it was Olave, right? Right, Nathan, when you said Marvin Harrison Jr. is real, that was Olave, right? right? I think he was asked about the two freshman receivers and his answer was Marvin Harrison Jr. is real. And Emeka's good. But like he's, he separated them. Now that's not a shot at anybody. That is like, but that set off my Marvin Harrison Jr. alarm. Like, okay, that's how he answered that. That's a guy in the room who knows what's up. Is there anybody else that we haven't talked about? Listen, I mean, you know, Jalen Harris and Elijah Gardner are still on this roster. They're just not in the conversation. Uh, Jaden Ballard is not here yet, right, Stephen? 
He's here. It's just he is here. Okay. It's, uh, he is for what Garrett was his freshman. He's the Jamison Williams to that. Not so his ceiling is clear is going to be higher than Jamison, but just the fact that he didn't necessarily, you know, it's just some development stuff he's going to have to go through, which is why it's a good thing he early enrolled. So there's three freshman receivers are here, but we're being talked about Marvin Harrison, one, Emeka two, yeah. Jaden three. Clearly we've got the starters. Anything else, Nathan, that we haven't hit when it comes to receivers? I, there was one comment that I thought was was interesting and maybe you guys don't. But it, like uh, Chris Olave was talking about the people who had mentored him and he's going through this list of Paris Campbell, Johnny Dixon, Terry McLaurin, CJ Saunders, KJ Hill. And he's like, it was a loaded room and like and nobody was happy about how much they were getting the ball. But like then he kind of was just like, but that's just the brotherhood or something like that. And I'm like, I, I think it, it, it kind of reinforced that, like, even when it wasn't like all like five star guys like they have right now, that that, that kind of like too many mouths to feed dynamic always is sort of hanging out there that's something that every team we we seem to think that like right now it's just a problem that has come up overnight but it's something that's kind of always there I think Brian Hartline alluded to that in 2019 it's just I don't want you to be happy if you're not getting the ball but now when we're living in an age where they're throwing the ball the way they are and developing quarterbacks and wide receivers the way they are you can actually do something about it it's not what it was with Terry McLaurin Johnny Dixon and Paris Campbell where it's just we're not getting the ball because we're always blocking it's you're not getting the ball because the other guy's more open than you are. Paris wasn't complining that year. Paris had like 90 catches. Oh, yes. yeah, Paris right. And, and KJ Hill had like 75. I think Terry McLaurin, who was like the nicest person in the world, might have been like, could I get more than 37 catches? Like, would that be OK? I'm well, literally a thousand yards. I'm Can literally I- a number one NFL receiver. I am literally a number one NFL receiver. Could I get more than three catches a game? Would that be too much to ask? I don't want to say anything. I'm a really good guy. So I'm not complaining. I'm just asking. I, I promise. Number one NFL receiver, 38 catches his last year here. Whatever it was. He, he was fourth on the team of catches. I also assume C.J. Saunders wasn't like calling a meeting with his position coach to go in and demand more s- targets on that team. Terry McLaurin is a number one receiver, and he was fourth the only year that they actually threw the ball here in catches. That's crazy. I mean, we we couldn't figure it out. There are just things that sometimes you can't figure out what's real and what's not at Ohio State based on how they do things. And that was figuring out Terry McLaurin was one of the hardest ones. I do want to reinforce real quick, though, when you're talking about Marvin Harrison Jr., that maybe I'm hammering this point home too much, but like we've heard so much about the professionalism, the approach. He shows up early, he stays late, all that stuff. But like James Williams today talking about him, called him a ball hawk. Like you're starting to hear things that are about it's not just like, yeah, he takes care of his business and it seems like a, a late season sophomore as an early enrollee freshman. So that's why he's ahead of the game and that's why we're taking his stripe off. Like, He's out there making plays like there. It, he's, he's playing ball, too. It's not just this intangible stuff. No, I, 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 they might have something like, I mean, it's I mean, why are we doing this? It's like, I don't it's not a fake we narrative. We're just, it's like a Hall of Famer's son is, is, is a, yeah, is good at the position that he was a Hall of Famer at. I feel like he, they almost did this strategically, though. Do you think they ended our interview sessions with the receivers to like, because there's just like so much, like there's like a wealth of like positive things that everybody can come writing about the receivers. And that just leads you a natural like flow of optimism right into the spring game. So when, so when Marvin Harrison has that one hand catch for a touchdown on Saturday, everyone goes, oh, they were talking about him. See, I told you. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what's going to happen. 
Can yeah. I change my MVP? Jamar <laughs> Harrison Jr. Jackson's not going to play that much. Yeah, I don't need him. He's a starter. We're already slot. past that. Jackson's, Jackson's not like the cool new thing anymore. Jackson's no. like, he's an assumed guy. Ah, oh, Jackson's not the jiggly. He's a starter. Who cares yeah. about him? He's going to have 65 catches. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the guys going to have 11 catches, but be awesome. Um, okay. Do you, do you guys, I want to ask an existential question. What do you ever like when Brian Hartline? I mean, this happens every now and then. When Brian Hartline's like, you know, you guys put expectations on on these guys. It's you know stuff you write does whatever. Do you ever think like maybe I don't know like why are we doing this? Like is this it's not fair to the amateur athletes? Like what if we just let college football players just play? There were never interviews. The games were on TV, but then like once the game was over, everybody was just like, see you Saturday, and there was like you didn't talk about it. You just played there weren't podcasts about it like do you think it would affect some players like some players would be better some would be worse like would it would it change anything do we matter why are we here that's what i'm asking why are we here i like my job and being able to feed myself close myself and shelter myself so yes we matter so much but go ahead nathan well presumably you would do that in some other way you weren't like born to be this job i mean you you, you really can like do something job, else though. uh I, I i begin i just find it ironic because like and maybe a little hypocritical because like where where do the opinions of these players as their prospects come from yes yeah, some of its independent evaluation but it's also from scouting people talking to the coaches who are recruiting these guys and and um and and brian hartline today again talking about him like he's the greatest thing since sliced bread like you know, they contribute to our opinion that gets put out there of these players. I don't, I mean, I was seven when Brian Hartline played at Ohio state. So I don't really remember from a coverage standpoint, what he was. And I don't, I didn't pay that much attention to him in the NFL, but I do know that sometimes what your own personal relationship is with the media can affect how you are. And I wonder how he was covered now that, because some guys really love the media and those, I mean, even if they're talked about in the bad way at times, but then there are some guy like this. Al McCullough loves this stuff. He'll yeah. say, I, I told him one day we were talking, so you should start a podcast. He's like, yeah, I am. When I retire, I was like, all right, dude, like, stop. <laughs> like Paris Johnson is a journalism major. So some of these guys love it. I think it is kind of depending on what your relationship is, how your career is and how you were covered at times. And Julian Fleming doesn't hate it. He just, and talking to him, I know that with him, it's he'll shut down BS. Like the first time I talked to him, I wanted to clarify what was going on with the Penn State situation. And before I even finished the question, he went, I'm not flipping. And I went, okay, next question, Julian. What do you like about Ohio State? So I do think that matters a little bit. And not everybody in that room hates the media. Like Garrett Wilson did a podcast the other day. So maybe it's just how Brian Hartline was covered, and that's why he feels this way. Well, I covered him. I mean, like, it's not the wonder. I'm sitting right here. All right. Then I wonder you're, how you're Brian right. was covered. My God, right. I covered the, literally the, his whole yeah, career. Are you you're the, the reason? Why, yeah. Are yeah. you the reason why he talks about how we share narratives and fake news? No. Well, I, I mean, like the one thing with Brian Hartline was like he was sort of like an overlooked guy here a lot. He went pro when people didn't think he was going to go pro. I even going in the fourth round, I think was maybe higher than people thought he would go. And then he was like a thousand yard receiver in the NFL. So he's like defied expectations his whole career. So the idea of like, he's always been better, I think, than the way he probably was covered. Like if people, I don't know anyone have ever said like, oh, Brian Hartline is going to be the best receiver on Ohio State this year. But so he probably thinks like, well, you got me wrong my whole life. You've been wrong about I've always been better than you thought I was. So if you think 
well, what's wrong with Julian Fleming? It's like, you don't know. You're wrong. Because his personal experience is, a, I, a Brian Hart, I like Brian Hartline. I, like, I would have this conversation with Brian Hartline to his face because it would be a great conversation. So like he's really, but he's also like, a, he's not here for BS kind of guy. I think he has like, he is, he has the, the, you know, he has strong convictions. He knows what he thinks. And like, if he disagrees with what you think, he's not going to put up with it, which is so great, which so is he, great. He's a guy, he's a stars don't matter type of guy. But I also think, though, I also think, though, that this beat us, let's just, let's just talk about us. Like, I don't think we've ever sat here and thought, well, there must be people must have just been wrong about Julian Fleming. Like, he must just not have been that good of a receiver for, to, to have not been playing at this point. We know that there were just, first of all, roster situations that prevented mm-hmm. him from playing that much. We know what everybody went through the past year. So I don't think anybody was asking has ever approached this. And I don't know who's written about it. It's certainly not us. I don't think that there must be something like deficient with Julian Fleming, but today is our chance to ask the question. Like we, we kind of assume all these good things about Julian Fleming. So like, where's the math leading us to where he is. And that's what he answered today. He didn't think he had to be quite so sour about it. Yeah. Which is why with Julian specifically this, I think this is just him knowing his player and knowing what his story is and how he got here. Like I said, that kid's been dealing with negativity on social media since the moment he decided to pick Ohio state over Penn state. So some of that is just probably rooted with this specific player. I'm not saying it's like that with every single kid, but with Julian, especially given that he was this highly rated kind of famous guy on social media who has been dealing with the negatives of it for a while now, he probably is going to go out of his way sometimes to make sure that there's some positive light out there in the public space for him. I, I do like Heartline though. Like what I did, because I wrote it around Julian Fleming's recruitment. I, I was like, I talked to Heartland about recruiting. And he was like, what is recruiting? I don't even know what recruiting is. I just talk to people. I'm just a real person. And we just have conversations. Would you call that recruiting? Or would you just call that being a human person yeah. existing in the world? And it was like, okay. Okay. I don't know. I would call it recruiting. But, you know, but it's great. But, like, it's honest. Like, I would interview Brian Hartline every day of the week. I'm not complaining. I, just, I think he's I think he's an interesting guy, but he's going to have his guys back. But he's also I mean, I think he's totally the kind of guy of like pump up the guys who need it and the guys who are good. Pfft, nothing. So like I, I, I think like Garrett Wilson's ratio of like catches to compliments might be like 35 catches per compliment this season. And I think Julian Fleming's ratio of catches to compliment might be like seven compliments for every catch. Right. Which is which is fine. And then in, and then in ju- his junior year, when Olave and Wilson are gone, Julian Fleming might have 81 receptions and Brian Hartline will pretend he doesn't exist and the cycle will be complete, right? And then Brian Hartline will be talking about how, you know, Caleb Burton, I'll tell you, there's never been a guy like Caleb Burton. And like, we'll be being like, remember when he wouldn't talk about? So it's just- <laughs> what, if, what if that's his recruiting strategy? Listen, I'm going to encourage you when you're a freshman and not playing, but the moment you get on the field, I hate you. I hate yeah. you and I want you gone. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, I, I, but it's Sign like, me up. it's psychology. I yeah. mean, it is psychology. I mean, like if you're good, you don't need to be told you're good. So I thought it was, it was, it was good. It was a good, I mean, you know, I like talking to Heartline. This is a really good room. I mean, everybody knows that you don't need, you don't need a facilitator. You don't need a middleman podcast to figure out the receivers are good. So anyway, before we go, I do want to talk a little bit about the quarterbacks or like not talk about the quarterbacks, but talk about how they weren't talked about in the receiver interviews next on Buckeye Talk.
back on Buckeye Talk. I do like to talk about probably too much the behind the scenes stuff of like the framework of questions and what angles people are working on, that kind of thing. God bless Bill Rabinowitz. He was trying to get the receivers to give up any intel on the quarterbacks today. But, and I would tell Bill this too, he put too much, it's, it's too much. He like he asked one of the receivers, like, can you give us an evaluation of all three quarterbacks? And you can't make a 20-year-old athlete work that hard in the answer. You can't just be like, quarterbacks, what do you think? Like, it's too much. And I think it was Jackson Smith the Jigba was like, I don't know. Now, he wasn't going to answer it anyway. Nobody, even if, I mean, if you could have said, you know, it feels like C.J. Stroud, you know, really rose up the recruiting rankings at the end. He was the backup last year. It looks like he just has a the ball jumps off his hand. He has a good feel for the game from what we saw in practice. He just looks like he's in control and feels like he's going to win this job. Is that right? Right. You could have given the answer. And Jackson Smith, the jiggle would have been like C.J. Stroud. I don't know who that is. Like they were not going to answer this. So, Nathan, I wanted to talk about the quarterbacks by saying, Bill tried God, a good try, Bill. I mean, someone had to try it and I appreciated that he used his questions to try, but nobody gave us, did we learn anything based on the guys who are actually catching the passes from these quarterbacks? Yeah, you mean, you hear a lot of, Oh, they all look good. I thought it was interesting that I think it was Jackson Smith and Jigba, or maybe it was Garrett Wilson. One of them said, um, I look forward to seeing how they look in the game on Saturday. So like that, there is still from, from some of them, there's still some of that, like, well, we still haven't really seen him like really take the lid off and play football. So I think there's some of that. I think, and I think that's partially probably genuine too, right? That they they want to see those guys go out under true duress or as close as you get to it in a spring game and make decisions and and play football. And and I I think we all know where things have trended, but it 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 also tells me that there is still some of that mystery there for them that they want to see how these guys perform under those circumstances yeah that media training kicked in real well and one of my favorite things about being on these zoom calls is you can tell when someone's watching them go through their zoom calls because they shake somebody's hand when they give an answer that was clearly trained on them and i think jameson williams gave an answer like that and immediately shook brian hart i think it was brian hartline's hand he shook it's like good job jameson way to dodge that question but yeah i think the most we got was what chris olave said to the end in the end when he just said i believe in the quarterback play I mean, that's the, I think the most we're going to, which basically just validated the, hey, you wouldn't have come back here if you didn't think, if you thought the quarterbacks were going to suck, right? But Nathan, I think you're right. The only guy that Jackson's seen play in any type of competitive environment is CJ Stroud, and that's a seven on seven tournament, which is, I mean, make a, what you will of it. That's more about your decision making, but you're not really in fear for of anybody hitting you. There's no lineman or anything like that. So that's not even the same type of set, type of environment of, as a real football game. There was a vibe, and I you can decide how much you want to believe it or not, but there was an overall vibe, and you just mentioned that Lave fed into it, of like they believe that the level of quarterback play will be good enough regardless of who it is, was the impression that they gave. But, and this went to the question of, which we still need, again, a texter's brought it up, and we need to get into it at some point. Would you rather have a veteran quarterback and a bunch of young receivers or a young quarterback and a bunch of veteran receivers? And Brian Hartline basically said, I want Nathan Baird to play quarterback because then it's on us. When we have Justin Fields, it makes it too easy. We don't want it to be easy. We want to catch medicine balls instead of football. We want to have a quarterback who literally cannot throw it more than four yards. Then it's on us. And he was like, 
I think he said something like production isn't excellence or something, or it just means it's good enough or like, he was just like this theoretical, like bring on lesser quarterback play. That's what the receivers want. I'm going to go in and tell Ryan day. I want you to recruit two stars. It's an insult to give Quinn Ewers to this receiver room. We don't need it. I production, love production doesn't mean it was good. Production means it was good enough. And we're trying to aim for excellence. You got to get Brian Hartline on this podcast. So it know. just has to be you too. Nobody it's gonna, else. It's going to end with him punching me in the face, but it's like, you know, I mean, anybody can catch when Justin Fields hits you in the chest with a football for a 20 yard gain. Anybody can do that. I told Justin Fields last year, I want you to miss us on purpose. I mean, he didn't say that, but I mean, it is, it's like, but it was, he, he really was embracing. Like if the idea is, Hey, young quarterback, Hey, veteran receivers, you've got to be there for him, right? You've got to lift him up. You've got to pick him up. You've got to get open. You've got to give him a window. You can't have any drops. If it's off target, you've got to make the tough catch. Like Nathan, it was like Brian Hartline's like, bring that right now. Yeah. I mean, these guys look for any kind of motivation they can find. And we've talked about that with Ryan day so many times that like any little, any little shred of doubt out there, he seems to use it to try to, you know, amp his team up. And I, it makes sense that that's what Brian Hartline's doing, especially for a room that um, it gets so much praise. You know, the outside noise he's talking about before isn't always negative. Sometimes it's positive. And this is a room that everyone thinks might be the best in the country. And it's just like overflowing with talent. And those guys it, it probably make sense to like start this spring, start this winter off, reminding them that they have to hold themselves to a higher standard this year because things probably aren't going to be as crisp as they were last season or, or the last two years. I mean, they were playing with, the most efficient quarterback in college football by some estimations the last two years. That may not be the case. It doesn't mean these guys are going to be bad, but they just may not be that Justin Fields level of precise and clean and, and sharp um, from day one. So that it, I understand why as a coach, I think it's prudent reemphasize that these guys have to go out and hold themselves to a higher standard. I think there also this might be an element of understanding that the wide receivers are going to have to be the playmakers more often while the quarterback was at the last two years. And so maybe he wants to do He wants 2018 again, where with Dwayne, it was get it out. And then it's a lot of yards after the catch. Cause it was a lot of short throws over the middle or even on the side, whatever. It was just a lot of short throws where the wide receivers did stuff with it afterward. And that seems like that's where things are going to trend more this year with a first year quarterback, instead of a lot of play action, 40 yard bombs down the field. So some of that probably is on, it is going to have to be on us to have to, you know, turn a seven yard catch into a 27 yard gain. While last year when they caught the ball, they were already 37 yards down the field a lot of the time. Or maybe it is something that more resembles Justin Fields, but you can't assume that you've got to prepare as if that's not going to be the case. I do think they probably, especially last year, I mean, Justin Fields was so accurate from the get go. He was so accurate. And there's, there's accuracy that's completion percentage and there's accuracy of like, okay, not only did you make it a catchable ball, but you put it like right on my hand so I can turn and get up field. I didn't have to go back behind me. I didn't have to go up in the air and risk my body. I didn't have to go down to the ground to make a catch. Not that every throw was perfect, but there might be one of those things where, you know, Justin Fields was making money on 12 yard outs to Chris Olave all year. And I think Chris Olave could run his route, turn. There's no way the corner can defend it because the corner is so scared that Chris Olave is going to run a double move and run past him for a deep ball that he's going to give him that out. And Chris Olave turns and the ball's in his chest and it's a first down. I'll be like, what if we see Saturday out? Do you have to like toe tap it because the ball is a little off? Do you have to stay in bounds? Do you have to make like a, like 
back across your body because the ball's a little bit behind you, right? You have to dive. To, you got to pick your quarterback up. You've got to get the completion, but the balls might not hit you in the chest as much as they did with Justin Fields. That can be a real thing. That the completion, I think a lot of completions, Stephen, this is a good off-season assignment for you. Go back and watch every throw. How many of the completions would you assign to, like almost anybody would have caught it where the ball was, right? Versus mm-hmm. how many great catches. All right, we've got, we've got Garrett Wilson helicopter, freshman year against Clemson that's on his wall. We know that. But how many of those are there and how much of it is like, listen, Justin Fields put it right there. And if you had like a right there percentage, maybe Justin Fields right there percentage was 83%. I think maybe the right there percentage this year might be 61%. You know what I mean? But you've got to catch the ball. You don't actually have to go watch every game. No, but that, 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 no, it is. Inter- I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to do that, but that is an interesting, I mean, adjusted completion percentage is what you probably call it in the analytical world, but they do that in elite 11 and in, in those in the opening where you, they rank your balls when they go through their pro days. And that's how they come up with those numbers. I think Kyle McCord had a 45 last year. Uh, CJ Stroud is one of the few people to get a 50. You have three balls, which are to what you're talking about. The receiver had to do none of the work. It was right there on the face mask. He could tuck it and go if he needed to or step out. He could make a perfect catch. Then there's two balls where it's a little bit of work, but for the most part, it's a pretty quality ball. And then there are those one balls where it's the receiver is why it was a completion, 100%. And to that point, how many times on Saturday are we going to see a three ball where it's perfect, which is what we saw with Justin Fields a lot versus there's probably going to be a lot of twos. That's where most quarterbacks are. That's pretty normal. But then how many one balls are there where Garrett had to do, he does awesome stuff anyway, but he had to be that much more crazy in order to make that catch. Or, you know, Chris Olave had to go out of his way to make that a completion. How many times do we see that on Saturday? And then when we get to Minnesota, how much improvement do we see from that Saturday where things maybe look ugly at times? And I almost think I could see them, especially Wilson and Olave. It's like, how do you keep your interest? It's like, man, I don't want a quarterback who's going to hit me in the hands. Give me, make it a little hard for me. Like, keep me interested. And that might be exactly where they are. I, it would lead me to believe that maybe I would fall on the side of give me the young quarterback and the veteran receivers, mm-hmm. right? Because if you've got the veteran quarterback and he's hitting young receivers in the hands and they're dropping it, that's kind of it. If you've got a young quarterback who can get it in the zip code and then you're letting Chris Olave big catch radius, not afraid to go up and get a ball, Garrett Wilson, they can bail you out maybe a little bit more. So I think maybe this is what you would pick, young QB and a receiver group like this. All right, spring games coming Saturday. Nathan, for the people who got here to the end and are like, what, 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 there's a spring game? Noon, right? Is it noon? Is that correct? Noon spring game on BTN. It's sold out. That That's sold out, obviously, pretty much instantaneously. They were only selling – couple thousand tickets to the general public but uh btn will have it live and then we'll be buckeye talking at you right after that right after right after the scrimmage so we'll, we'll get to the the podcast as quickly as we can i mean there will be zoom calls with the players fingers crossed with the quarterbacks um but we'll be texting during the game at 614-350-3315 we'll have stories up we'll have you know pretty quickly after and then again some more stories on Sunday morning and we'll we'll get to that podcast uh as quickly as as we can because we want to talk about this and then you know there'll be a little bit of a come down from the spring game I think there'll be stuff we still want to talk about related to this roster 
and what happened in the spring game next week. And then we'll start transitioning and getting ready for the draft and getting some more draft preview stuff. We'll have a pod predicting where we think guys are going to go. I'd like to have, I did a Boston TV show a couple weeks ago. There's a guy there who was really good. I would like to have maybe a Boston TV personality on here to talk about Justin Fields to the Patriots and, and how real that feels at the moment. And I think at some point we can get into a little bit more of Justin Fields. He did have a pro day, I guess, second pro day this week where the Bears and the Niners were there. And we know it's it, nobody has a read. It's not like we have a read on this. All the When the Niners traded up, it was like, is it Justin Fields? And it pretty quickly, from what you read, felt like, no, it's Mac Jones. And then you know, now you'll find a little, eh, it might be Trey Lance, whatever. But you'll find a couple people who still think it's Justin Fields. But if it's not Justin Fields at three, it gets really interesting. And might the Bears, who are desperate for quarterback, it's like, do you – just say, we'll do whatever it takes to move up and get him. So we got to have some more Justin Fields conversations and we will. But right now it's spring game time. We will hear, we will talk to you guys after the game Saturday. That's the next time you will hear a Buckeye talk. Do not look for a Saturday morning podcast. It won't be there. But keep reading cleveland.com slash OSU to get geared up for this spring game. For Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice, And that was Buckeye Talk. Thank you.